gotta get out of this town. Yeah, and go where? Where are we gonna go? I'll tell you where. Someplace warm. A place where the beer flows like wine. Where beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. The French are asking. All right, welcome to another week of Muskies on Tap. Welcome back, everyone. Just want to say thank you to all our listeners. We're still getting amazing feedback, and it's really good to hear from everybody. And this week we got something really exciting. It's our first ever guest, and that is... Justin Reynolds with RM Musky Shop. If you don't know about RM Musky Shop, it's in Eagle River on Highway 70. Uh, I know Justin will talk more about it, but definitely advise stopping in if you're in the area for bait or anything like that to get your uh get your needs to go musky hunting. So we're really excited to have Justin on this week, and that'll be a nice segment to have. But before I get any further, I'd like to introduce the other co-host tonight on Muskies on Tap. And that first one is sitting right next to me, and that is Max Manti. What's going on, everybody? Yeah, excited to be up in the North Woods again. Got to do a little bit of uh, fishing the past few days. And guys, I have a confession to make. Uh-oh. I like smallmouth fishing. Oh, whoa. Isn't this called muskies on tap? I needed to get it off my chest. I like smallmouth fishing. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. We've had a blast the last few days getting on some awesome smallmouth that we'll chat about here in a minute. But <laughs> yeah, glad to be here again tonight. Um, I, I think we're actually living up to our name tonight. We have a few uh, Wisconsin Ambers that we've cracked mm-hmm. and uh, should be in for a nice little evening here. Yeah, this is a solid beer that we really like. Uh, Wisconsin Amber, Capital Cities Brewery. Super solid. All right. So, we'd also like to introduce the other co-host tonight, and that is Brian Eckel. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing just dandy tonight, guys. I'm kind of the party pooper. I am once again drinking water. Um, if I had a Wisconsin Amber, I would definitely crack it open. A great beer. Um, but yeah, excited to hear about your smallmouth adventure. A little bit jealous of that. Sounded like you guys put a beat down on them, so let's get into some of that action. Basically, Max and I kind of went out and wanted to go after some big smallmouth because, I mean, we're not much of walleye guys here, and obviously we're really diehard musky fishermen, So, but you know what we can do before then is go after these really giant pre-spawn smallmouth, and, and that's what we did. We kind of went to a, I wouldn't call it a new body of water, but we've never had success on it pretty much, and... It was pretty windy the day we fished, and uh, Max and I kind of we're just mapping out areas. I think we caught them in just three areas, mm-hmm. and we those were all three brand new areas, and which is really cool to see. And I think we got a couple quick pointers for you guys, and if you do want to go smallmouth fishing, yeah, we can definitely do our best. I mean, we're by by no means we're. Uh pros at it but we got onto a pretty cool bite um last few days and it's been a lot of fun i mean i i kind of get it you know uh i think when you get tied up into the musky world it feels like it's really the only fish that you know you want to target and stuff like that but yeah it's uh it's it was a really fun bite the last few days and 
you know, it's, it's, I guess it's a nice change of pace to actually fish for a fish that wants to eat pretty consistently <laughs> and not once or twice a day. So that was great. Getting, getting the, getting the rod bent quite a bit, quite a bit the last few days. So yeah, we can, uh, we can dive into quick on kind of where we found them and what we were doing. Yeah. First off, we talk a little bit about water temps. We are seeing some pretty high range of temps going on because of all the wind we're finally getting up here. And I think we saw anywhere from 49 to 58 on just one single body of water. Um, it seemed like the wind was actually starting to push the uh, warm water into the windy, the wind blown shorelines were getting all the warm water and the, uh, and the calm shorelines were actually uh, colder, even though it was, uh, you know, warm and sunny. Brian, you'll get a kick out of this. I actually got Gus to fish some shorelines finally. Ah, jeez. Sure, you're pulling hair. Yeah, you know me over there. Love that off structure. Yeah, we we were fishing. <laughs> we were fishing rocks. We were fishing some down timber. It was fun. Could actually see the shoreline when we were casting. It was a it was a nice change of pace. You must have seen them going aerial out of the water along the shore if he was willing to go up tight. I will say this, it, you know, one of the crazy things, so the, the body of water we were fishing was, it was uh, relatively clear water. And, you know, we would kind of, like Gus said, you know, we, we don't have much experience on this particular lake. And so when we were kind of going into these spots, a lot of times we would kind of accidentally run up on the spot. Um, <clears throat> I think at the beginning, we were making that mistake more times than not. And it was nuts. Like we would, we would kind of run up on the spot and all of a sudden, like you'd see four five, six, just giant small mouse kind of scatter and move. And you're like, Oh shit. Like, you know, that was it. That was our pod to fish. But I think when we started actually catching them, we got a little bit more dialed in on what, where they were sitting. So then if we kind of, you know, recognized the place that they potentially would be at, we would cut, cut motor, you know, put the trolling motor and just kind of wind drift into the spot and start bomb casting. And a lot of times the, the fish were actually coming in the first, like, you know, 10, 15 feet of our retrieve where, you know, you just hucked it out there literally as far as you could. And, you know, that, that seems to be where most of the action came. These fish were kind of moving in packs along the shore and like, were they just cruising up and down it or were they kind of finding their home for spawning? I think they're getting close. I mean, the areas we did kind of visually, since the water was clear enough, you could see beds, but we didn't see a single fish on a bed. Every time we saw a fish, it was like cruising. And usually they're in like small packs. I mean, there's one where we uh, we were wind drifting sideways and then I spot locked because I think I got a bite or something like that and I missed it. And the boat swung and then I looked on side image and I saw like nine shadows on the one side, just like swimming past the boat. I'm like, dude, there's a school on the other side. And I think, I think that was like the second to last fish we got that day. And, and I just like pitched a uh, swim jig out there and, and got one. And I think that was, that was the biggest. Um, that's another thing we didn't touch on is that none of the fish were small. I think the smallest fish was 18 yeah. inches and, and each Max and I caught a 21 incher. We do not have a scale, but I don't want to talk too many numbers, but they were they're topping, they're getting to that that six pound range. They were they were giant. Was there a yeah, clear was, biggest fish of the day, or were they all pretty much around that 20 inch mark? There's I mean, the two 21 inches looked way bigger than just even a fish that was like 20 or 19 and a half that we got. It was it's insane how much bigger and like taller they get. 
almost just with that one inch of length and their tails are just ginormous. I mean, you set the hook and you know when it's the big one and it's like, it's just staying down just like a big muskie. Yeah, it was fun. We, you know, it, it was mostly, it was mostly big smallmouth, but we got on a mixed bag of stuff. I mean, we caught some nice pike. I had a pike that kind of hit like a muskie. So that kind of got me going for her. For opener, it was like a 30, <laughs> probably low 30s inch pike. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was working like a little swim jig and it came up both sides, charged it, tried to swipe at it once, turned around, came back and just smoked it both sides. It was pretty cool. Uh, That's sweet. Got a really nice walleye today, 21 inches. We were kind of joking because it came out of a pot of smallmouth that it was just a walleye that identified as a smallmouth, <laughs> which is, which it's cool now, but. <laughs> Kind of felt that that was that was weird. I mean, it, I've never had a walleye fight that hard. It, it felt like a smallmouth up until we saw it, so that was cool. Um, but yeah, just just fun to go out and fish, get back out on the water. It was a nice day. It was seventy, good wind. Just 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 felt great to be back out there. So yeah, that was a that was a great time. I think another uh, maybe one last takeaway before we move on was we seemed to get most of our luck on uh, anything that was windy. Uh, whether that be walleye or smallmouth, they always kind of related to that wind. I think we got a few, but very minimal on the calm areas. But the uh, the wind seemed to be a good factor if you're fishing clear water to kind of be a little bit more stealthy when you're approaching a spot or something like that. So it, it seemed like it proved for a few extra bites since we were fishing the wind. How jealous are you right now, Brian? A little bit jealous. That is probably my second favorite well, freshwater fish to catch is a smallmouth. They, I don't know if I've caught a 21-incher, but I can. I believe you when you say it fought like a muskie. Those things have a little bit more piss and vinegar in them. Well, I mean, what kind of gear are we using? I mean, it. We are we are running medium light rods, uh, mainly like 2,000 size reels, 10-pound nano braid, and 12-pound test fluorocarbon leaders, all tied directly by knots to directly the lure. So a lot of feel and they're, they're putting a huge bend in that rod. I mean, they're folding that thing over. Surprised that pike didn't snap the line. Corner hooked them. You, we got yeah. lucky. You know how I do Bro it. Hooks it. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. All right. Well, I think, uh, I think it's time to introduce our first guest here. Um, I can, I can let, uh, Gus kind of give you guys the full debrief. But this gentleman set up a tournament this summer, uh, the PMCC Pro Muskie Chain Challenge that he's going to touch on a little bit. That's a tournament that uh, Brian and I are actually fishing in without Gus. We'll be fishing out of the Ranger, the small Ranger. Pro stuff. Uh, it'll be on the chain. Uh, so we'll have limited tech, which shouldn't be, shouldn't be an issue on the chain. I think the biggest issue will be you know, just uh, getting getting out of the tournament with both of us being alive, I think, more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking yeah, forward I'm... to that. I think it's safe to say there'll be uh, plenty of weeds ripped off the bottom of the lake after those two days and hopefully a lot of fish ripped up into the boat. Yeah, I hope you guys do really well. Unfortunately, I got two guide trips that day before the, uh, before the tournament details came out, but that is all right. Gus is typically the one that kind of keeps the peace in the boat between Brian and I. So without him in the equation, it's it's really who's, you know, who knows how it's going to go. Someone's going in the water. I know it. <laughs> I'm getting that phone call that day. 
Yeah, I don't know if I like how but, you use uh, the trolling motors. We'll have to figure that out. I might yeah. have to take the reins for a bit. <laughs> yeah, here, let me let's just take off the uh the trova I got and I'll put it on for you guys and I'll just say, you know, no to that on my trip. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna be hilarious. And uh, no, I mean, we we typically defer to Gus on most things when we musky fish spots. He's usually doing the boat control, everything like that. Uh, you know, recommending lures and whatnot. So, yeah, Brian and I will be will be on our own, and uh, really looking forward to that weekend. That's gonna be a lot of fun. You feel that you feel the same way, Brian? No, I can't wait. It's gonna be special holding that big check at the end of it. I want one of those like. Pro golf, happy Gilmore size checks, you know, even if we come in oh, like yeah. eighth place, you know, and he's like, I'll just give me one of them big checks. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to pitch that idea to Justin here in a few minutes when he gets on. Right. Yeah. Even if it's like a check for like 700 bucks. Giant. That's all that matters. Yeah. I'd frame it. <laughs> all right. So let's, uh, so let's dial up uh, the conversation we're about to have with uh, Justin. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, we got Justin on the line, owner of RM Musky Shop, uh, Bait and Tackle. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Justin? Good. How are you guys? Doing swell. Couldn't be better. Awesome. You are our first guest on Muskies on Tap. <laughs> how do you feel? <laughs> now that we got everything hammered out here, I'm feeling good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, because uh, so we have a couple questions to go over here that we'd uh, like to hear from you. And um, okay. I guess the first one, I can just uh, dive right into it is uh, how did you come to uh, own RM Muskie Shop? Uh, I've worked at bait shops since I was 14 years old and was tired of working for someone else. Uh, <laughs> so th this RM uh, has been for sale for quite a few years. And uh, finally talked the guy into selling it to me so i was uh i at the time when i bought this i was working down the road from here and i don't think they were ecstatic about it but you know we we, we work together pretty good and that that's it i've i was uh i've learned a lot of things uh, a lot of things to not do owning your own shop more <laughs> things than not to do at these other places than things to do so <laughs> Right, right, and and what and what year was that that you uh, that you uh, got ownership? I uh, actually, uh, we've had this for three years, uh, just a couple days ago. Oh, it's sweet. been three three years, yeah. So with that, you guys have a a pretty cool tournament coming up in June, the uh, PMCC. Yeah. yeah, the PMCC. Everybody knows the PMTT is not coming to Eagle River and three and three lakes anymore, so. You know, we we didn't want to make anybody mad about it, but you know, as as far as like the weekends here at the shop, you know, the the PMTT is usually a big weekend for us. Um, we we have a lot of people in here that weekend. We we do a lot of business that weekend. It's nice to see everybody that weekend, you know, and that. So to to lose a tournament like that was like like for us, we were kind of like, wow, that that's a big hit for us, you know. So we immediately started coming up with a different name and kind of the kind of the same format and everything uh is a pmtt but we just have a different name <laughs> yeah that's awesome that, i mean yeah we're 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 excited i'm i'm fishing in it with uh our other buddy brian our other guy who does this podcast with us and 
we can't wait. It's going to be a fun time. I'm really glad you guys yeah. were able to replace that because I know we were pretty, you know, we're not, we're obviously, <clears throat> we're in super bummed or anything, but when the PMTT is going to Madison, we're excited for that. But as you said, it's such a big weekend for the Eagle River area. And yeah, I mean, obviously it's great. So um, how, how has it been going so far? The process of kind of starting your own tournament, getting people to sign up is, you know, well, what, how's that we, been? We've had, we've had some of those uh, fall tournaments in the past couple of years and they've been smaller, you know, where we've had 30, 40, 50 boats. Uh, this is uh, there's a lot more into this one because it's a lot more money and uh, everything is more expensive and y- you know it's uh, it's I mean it's been fun I mean we I got I got two more entries in the mail today so it's kind of like kind of like Christmas opening up the mailbox every day you know because <laughs> we I mean I re- I really do hope that we can fill it the first year you know that that would be pretty yeah. awesome if we could pay because it's it's gonna pay thirty grand for first place if we fill it up so everyone oh, yeah. that comes in helps at this point. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I can't wait. It's going to be a really fun weekend. I think the turnout's going to just, you know, keep getting increasingly more and more here, um, yeah. you know, over the next few weeks once the musky season kind of gets going and people are up in the area. So, yeah, yeah. I'm expecting a, a good field. I like that it's uh, it's on the Eagle River chain and the Three Lakes chain, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, and so on, on Saturday, you'll be allowed to change uh, what, what side of the chain you're on. So if you start out okay. in three lakes and you're not doing any good and you want to come to Eagle river, uh, you'll be allowed to change once through the day. And then okay. on Sunday you pick your spot and you stay there. Gotcha. So, Sunday sense. you cannot switch Saturday. You can. So, so with the switch, when you say that you're going to, you're only allowed one switch, does that mean they have to do a call in to maybe you or somebody yeah. specific? Yep. If, uh, okay. if you're gonna, that that's all we're asking is if you're going to switch, give us a call when you're pulling out and then give us a call when you're launching and let us know where you're launching. Cool. On the other and then, um, And then maybe some, uh, some other things to, to get people to sign up and uh, where can they do that or how can they find a yeah. good way so, to get a form? We've got uh, forms all over uh, town right now. You can sign up right here at the shop. Otherwise, uh, if you email us uh, or uh, private message us on Facebook or Instagram, and that will email, just send us something with your email address and we'll get it to you, get you an entry that day. I just, I, I actually, I, right before I was getting on with you, I just sent out three more of those. So we've got a lot of entries out there right now um that are a lot of uh that i've sent out that haven't come back so we'll see but yeah i mean uh you can call us here and at at the shop uh you can email us private message us however you'd like and we'll get you an entry form awesome well i won't hold you to this but what's your prediction as far as what's going to get it done for that 30k what do you think (laughs) everybody seems to think that it's going to be 10 because we're allowing live allowing people to have a live scope. Uh, <laughs> that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> um, I, I'll bet you it's going to be four or five fish takes it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. We, we were in that PMTT last year and we didn't yeah. catch a single fish on the first day. Luckily enough, we were able to get a few on the second, but I remember Gus's face after we got the update from Tim when we checked on Facebook that a team had caught like eight fish or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. That happened in a PM or a, a spring classic years ago too. Somebody got eight fish the first day. And uh, yeah, wow. it's, uh, that was, that and was that, quite a few years ago, probably 10 years ago, but yeah, that's uh, that takes the wind right out of your sail. <laughs> 
I mean, for anyone that's listening that hasn't fished the, the Eagle River Three Lakes area, I mean, it's it's an awesome fishery, and it, it really is a fishery. You can light it up pretty good if you kind of find the right biter, even a hot bait for the day. Like, it, it things can get steamrolling pretty quickly out there, and it, it can get really fun. There's just so many fish. So it it, it should be interesting to see how it all shakes out because that's a good time of year, uh, and it'll yeah. be interesting to see where they'll be at. Yeah, it's uh, that and and the size limit for the tournament's thirty instead of thirty four, like the Spring Classic. So that I mean, the the thirty four is is not a big deal, but when you lower it down, you obviously get more fish caught. So right, but yeah, there's I'll, I'll bet you there'll be a lot of fish. I mean, the PMTT set, I don't know how many records up here uh, of total fish. You know, it seemed like every other year they were setting a new record for, you know, seventy fish, eighty fish, ninety fish in a tournament. You know, so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you never know if the, if the bite's on, it could easily go to, you know, go to a 70, 80, 90 fish tournament, you know, that'd be awesome. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Those shootouts for muskie for muskies are, are fun. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, Gus, do you have any more questions about the tournament or do you want to get into some of the, some more, uh, bait shop talk? You know, I think that's it. I mean, if you already kind of talked about that, the rules are going to be super similar to uh, the PMTT, that should be pretty straightforward, 30 inch minimum. Um, I know, I think probably the only big one is just that you're allowing just one live scope per boat. That's yep. probably the yeah. one big one. Uh, the the one live scope per boat. Um, and then we did add here just a few weeks ago that uh, every picture or every fish that you catch has got to be measured the same way on your bump board uh there were some people questioning that in in previous tournaments you know that you could catch a fish and measure it one way and then flip it over and measure it again you know and Mm -hmm. uh so that eliminates that every fish has got to be measured the same so like when we do the rules meeting on friday we'll just have a bump board out there and uh we'll have a bump board out there and like a a replica of a fish just to show everybody like if your pictures don't come in like this it's it'll be that simple too because like you said if, if there's 90 fish caught in a tournament you know we're getting calls and texts and everything non-stop all day we don't mm-hmm. we're just not going to screw around with anything if you don't do it right like we've asked you to your fish just won't count uh there and, and there just won't be any you know no arguing no nothing i mean like everything will be explained and we'll do everything we can to help you but I mean, it'll be, it'll be crystal clear what everybody's needs to do just to make it easier on us, you know? Yeah, sure. fair enough. That's, that's, yeah, that's totally fair. Maybe just quick for or some of the listeners and going in, going in tournament is um, the uh, launch sites on the Eagle River chain and the Three Lakes chain. Uh, where would those be? Yeah, so uh, the Eagle River chain, I have to call uh, Pine Island down on the Three Lakes chain. I'm, I'm hoping we can take off out of Pine Island and get that set up um but eagle river chain the takeoff will be at eagle lake park for sure um i gotta firm that up with uh three lakes yet um i was gonna do it somewhere else down there but they wanted to charge us to use their their dock to take off in the morning (laughs) so we're not doing that uh so i'm gonna get a hold of uh pine isle and i hope that's where we're gonna take off um if not i'll figure out something and we'll we'll have something hammered out before uh that the before the 23rd for sure so everybody knows where to go on three lakes mm-hmm. all right awesome well the pmcc exciting stuff go check it out uh like you said more people we can get to sign up bigger that pot grows so yeah hopefully we can get a full field 
uh, get the town buzzing for that weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, all right. So outside of being a, a tournament, um, aficionado and, and a bait shop owner, uh, <laughs> I know you're, I know you're an angler yourself. So I, I think we we teed up this question, but do you have a, a big fish story from the North woods that you'd want to share, you know, whether you caught it yourself or you're in the boat, something of that nature? Uh, well, the biggest fish ever in my boat was a good story. I, I had that one's on the wall here while well, the replicas on the wall here at the shop. Uh, that was my brother's fish. That was a 51 and three quarter and it had a 27, little over 27 inch girth. Um, that was the biggest fish that's ever been in my boat. And, uh, we, I think I I'm pretty sure I had that fish on the week before, uh, on a sucker. And it was in like, it was in like 25 feet of water. And I had it on for probably 10, 15 seconds, but you could tell it was big. We never did get to see it and the sucker popped off. And then uh, the next weekend we went back there and at the end of the day, and that, that was literally the last cast. I was telling my brother, I'm going to pull the trolling motor out of the, pull the trolling motor and we were going to leave. And I just started pulling the trolling motor up and he yelled, I got one. And oh. uh, I saw, so I, I, I just, I didn't even pull the trolling motor the rest of the way up. I just dropped it and it fell back in. And uh, he had that fish on and it ran to the front of the boat and got tangled up in the trolling motor because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't pull it all the way up. So I, I just happened to scoop down and uh, that thing was all tangled up in the troll motor. I scooped down and I happened to come up with it. So, but yeah, that, that was the biggest fish ever in my boat. And that was, uh, awesome. I think that was November, November 9th or something like that. And the lake that we were on uh, completely skimmed over, iced over the next day. So that's awesome. unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Last I know. Pass. That, yeah. Yeah. That's that's legitimately last cast of the season. Yeah. You stick a fish yeah. like that. I, and I know I can relate to you, man. Gus has stuck big fish, you know, right after me either. I'll bring them up and then Gus will stick them or I'll miss them. <laughs> and then Gus will stick them a week later. So I can yeah. relate. I feel you. Yeah. I feel you being there. <laughs> yeah. Between that one. And then my kid, I I've got a 50 in Canada, but uh, between that one and then my kid catching his first 50 were the two, two best ones in my boat. Oh, and he, oh, he caught his first 50 in Canada too. So on the same day that Trevor, Trevor, Jeremy's boy got, got a 50 too. They both caught their first 50 inches on the same day. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's what, that's my big fish story. I've got a 50 incher, but everybody has that. So <laughs> my, mine wasn't a cool story. I just caught it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, yeah. I'm, I'm yet to, I'm yet to, I'm yet to get there. So, you know, maybe that'll change, uh, be the, uh, maybe I'll get a 50 out of the chain during the PMCC and yeah, maybe, uh, yeah. have some heads roll. <laughs> there you go. That's some confidence right there. Highly doubtful. You get a, a free replica if you did. Rick oh my God. Yeah. The, uh, I, I should, I should have mentioned that too. The, a couple of the sponsors we got for that tournament. Yeah. We got, uh, uh, stealth tackle just sent us a whole, pile of leaders and uh fluorocarbon leaders steel leaders boat towels uh neck gaiters all kinds of stuff they just sent us a whole stuff to give away for the tournament uh lake x is going to donate a, a whole box of b52s and some top waters and stuff like that for us to give away uh nice. wreck and rack gave us uh two boards to, to raffle off on either friday night or saturday night and two boards uh, use is like if somebody breaks one or somebody leaves their house and and forgets it you know or whatever we can we get two extras just to loan out for the weekend and then we got uh 
Sweetwater is going to do um, the the bar on uh, the bar and restaurants there on um, Duck Lake on the Eagle River chain is going to do uh, dock delivery for your food. So you can call in during the tournament and get food delivered to the dock and pick it up. Well, that's so you don't cool. have to get off your boat. Yeah. Um, nice. That's sweet. <laughs> yeah. And then they got uh, Eagle Lanes is hosting everything on Friday and Saturday. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, if you've been here, you know, Eagle Lanes has good pizza, all, you know, good food and all that. Um, Great pizza. Yeah. And then uh, and then Rick Lax is going to donate a free replica for the biggest fish up to 48 inches in the tournament. And then if you already have a mount, like if you caught if like the biggest fish in the tournament turns out to be like a, a 41 incher and you don't want it mounted, you don't want a replica of it. He's going to give you a, a gift certificate towards a future mount for that amount. Cool. Yeah. That's a good so idea. That's some, of, that's some of our sponsors right now. So going good so far. Yeah. Those are awesome sponsors. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. I, uh, I mean, I, I kind of was joking about the 50, but that would be awesome to see a big, some big fish come out of the chain during that tournament. Yeah. It would be good yeah. to see. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. I, I still think the biggest fish we've ever seen on the chain was the fish that our other co-host, uh, raised and he's not here to defend himself, but I'm pretty sure his bait was about, was out of the water with about four feet left to go in his retrieve towards the end of a weekend. <laughs> and fish was so hot it, it came out of the water to try to eat the bait and he did everything he could to not try to just not catch the fish <laughs> it's still we still give him shit about it to this day <laughs> yeah uh, that was tough to watch i was standing about two feet from brian when that happens yeah that happens <laughs> oh absolutely no doubt no doubt and he had one question for you and not to rag on him too much but i'm pretty sure he's wondering this because he needs some help and doesn't really listen to Gus too often. But he said, out of all the baits, out of all the baits you have in your shop or your boat, what are your three go-to baits to throw in Vilas County area? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, man, I, I mean, uh, I, I always have a fat bastard and I always have a bucktail. Usually it's, and it's, it's nothing against any of the other bucktails, but it's usually like one that I make here. Uh, it mm. seems like every year we kind of get on a color pattern on bucktails. And being that I can make everything I want here, uh, I can kind of make whatever color I, I feel like is working best for me, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and then I usually have some sort of rubber, uh, like a, like a red October tube or a, a Medusa or a bulldog, something like that. If I had to pick the rubber's tough to pick, but I definitely always have a, a top water and a bucktail, but Can't those are would be, Yeah. I, I don't think I ever only have three baits in the boat, though. <laughs> yeah, none of neither, us do. Neither does, I say, neither does any other musky fisherman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, going back to the fish stories, uh, I think we have an interesting question here. Is that owning a bait shop, you get a ton of people in day in, day out. Do you, by chance, have a story on the top of your head about somebody coming in and talking about either just some mythical giant 65 yeah. inch musky or yeah yeah i got a, i got a real good one it happened last summer i think i, I might have even told you about it uh, oh is this, if is this I the one about the top water yeah if i didn't tell you barbara did uh <laughs> i got a guy came in here last summer and said he needed the biggest musky bait that we had <laughs> and i said i was like all right you know i was like uh, like we, and we had some you know like husky medusas and some pounders and 
some other big stuff, you know, and I like I handed him a Franken Suic and some big bigger stuff, you know. And he says, Yeah, none of this shit's gonna work. And he's dead serious too. Like, like totally dead serious. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, the muskie that I just saw ate an entire full grown goose in one bite. Yeah. One what? bite. Yeah. Ate a whole goose, a, a, a full sized goose in one bite. Yeah. <laughs> and you none of those things satisfied that thing's hunger. So we didn't have anything. Oh my God. Enough, so I didn't buy anything. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> that, that fish won't eat for another week or two. Yeah, that's what I told him. That's going to take a while for that thing to digest a whole goose. But well, I'm just, I just want to do my due diligence here. I mean, when he walked out of the store, was he staggering or did he reek a pot or anything? Or no, he... uh, man, I, he came in. I know. I mean, I, I was looking for all the signs too, but he, uh, he came in. Uh, he, uh, he did not know. Hey, he was, uh, he was stone faced, dead serious. <laughs> Look like you just saw a ghost. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Holy crap. Wow. Yeah, that well, was, uh, that was uh, one of the better ones I've heard. I hear all the the other ones, you know, like, oh, it's its head was on this side. And my, my back was getting wet on the other side of the boat because it was its tail was there. I've heard all that. Those good stories before. But the full size, full grown goose was a good one. And we had yes. no baits in the store that were big enough for that fish so that's unreal guys <laughs> out at his truck like stapling bulldogs together to try to make something <laughs> yeah, big enough to... yeah. <laughs> so that's what unreal. what is uh i guess not talking miss then what what is you know some of the bigger fish you've heard coming out of uh the vilas oneida county just from people popping in have you heard 50s being caught yeah, like every that. now and then, not not a lot. Uh, my brother has uh, he's uh, he, he he could catch a, a fifty anywhere that he goes, but he's got I believe three now, yeah, three three over fifty in Vilas County. I don't have any, but he's got three that's legit that's fish over fifty now, including including that one real big one. I mean, they, they and he got two of them just I think it was just last year. Two of his fifties were just last year, so. Yeah, they're up here, but you got to work for them. And I know another guy that does a lot. He he kind of really only does fall trolling, and uh, he got a fifty-two and a half last year, and then one that was uh, fifty and a quarter or something like that, fifty and a half right there. But that fifty-two and a half was a big one. But he he all all of his are trolling. But Makes yeah, sense. and then uh, you hear about them still, just not not a ton of them. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love to tangle in with the Northwoods 50-incher. Like Max said, I, I also have not tangled with one yet, but soon will be the day, I hope. Yeah, just go to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> or Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or Minnesota, yeah. yeah so true. those are all great stories. And I think before we leave you, Justin, we got one last question. And that is with being a bait shop owner, what are some of the, the difficulties with that? I never get to go fishing anymore. <laughs> uh. Not as much as I want. Anyway, I, I, I purposely fish a uh, Tuesday night league because I have to go fishing then. So I, I, go. I got to pick one or the other. I, I don't, I, we, we sponsor a team for Monday night league. So I usually don't fish in Monday night. And then, uh, we sponsor a team for Tuesday night. And since my brother runs Tuesday night league, I fished that one with my kid. And so at least that, at least that way I get out at least once a week, but 
that's that's the worst part of, of having it is that when you know you, you work I, I also work another job and ashley works another job um and you know we have tom and louie here once in a while to help out on wednesdays and thursdays but you know, I mean that you as far as going out like on weekends and stuff like that for go to go fishing and that I don't get a lot of time for that anymore. But hopefully that'll change eventually when we get you know, every year we're trying to get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. So once we get big enough to sustain someone else being here all the time, then hopefully I'll get to roll out a little bit. Sure. Well, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh yeah. we really appreciate it. Um, you know, we're we're really new to this whole, not only podcasting thing, but I don't think I've ever interviewed a person like this before. So thanks for being the <laughs> first guy to hop on. It was really fun. Uh, and yeah. hopefully we'll have you back on maybe before or after the tournament just to do a little recap and how yeah, and stuff like that would be cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And if, uh, like I said, if anybody needs, uh, anybody watches this and wants to get an entry form, either call the shop or uh, shoot me or the shop a private message on facebook or instagram and we'll get you one right away awesome sounds good love to hear it well thank you justin for coming on um yeah, no problem. Thanks for we, having me. Uh, of course and uh you have yourself a good night thanks guys you too all right let's get into some q a this week we got a bunch of good questions in from our listeners uh from a poll that i put up on instagram so Let's just get the ball rolling. Our first one comes from listener Ben.Seidel9. He's asking, if a guy was planning a long weekend trip to Vilas County, middle of June, what patterns? All right. Well, Ben, middle of June is still a pretty high transition period, and you could really be faced with some different conditions really based on what lake you choose. And luckily for you, Vilas County you got a whole bunch of lakes to choose and pretty much right off the bat, I would immediately recommend going to some smaller lakes because by then those weeds are going to be developed really nicely. Um, a lot of that cabbage is just going to come up super green and you're for sure going to find fish in shallow. And that's just a great, a great time of year to go uh, hit some weed edges and definitely switch it up. I mean, a hundred percent roll with some single blades um, definitely keep some small rubber in the box and don't be afraid to throw out a mag dog here and there. But if I were in the boat right then and there, I'd be just throwing probably a seven inch slammer, a, a giant killer or a reg dog. Those would be three lures that I just bring out right off the bat to go fish those smaller lakes with a uh, good, really good weed growth. And then if you are a little more set in stone on a lake that might be larger, clearer, those weeds are definitely going to be coming up. They're going to be starting for sure by then. But, and this could even be the case for some of the smaller stain lakes. Uh, there might be a bug hatch that happens start starting around then. And you definitely want to be aware of that because that could uh, really ruin a shallow water pattern pretty quickly and make finding fish really difficult. And a lot of times the fish that really want to eat are going to be the ones that might be, you know, you got your backs to them the whole time. So that is a good time of year to just do the classic one, two casts out from where you normally go. And uh, I think that's really worth a shot. And that's something I think we touched on last week a little bit with one of our listeners' questions about open water that you really just got to, I mean, it can be tough at first, but you really just have to find that breakthrough fish. You know, once you get that one fish to go, 
all the light bulbs go off in your head and then you just get all the confidence in the world and, and you're, you're set to go. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about to get the next fight in musky fishing is, is be confident with what you're doing. And, and if you're not confident, there's, you know, little likelihood of, of a fish hitting the bag. I got an answer, but Brian, do you want to go? Early season, like for your first few weeks, starting an opener, jerk bait with that pull pause, killed it last year. And if they're not, if you don't notice that they're fired up on bucktails and a straight retrieve lure, then that's a good option too. So I went back through my camera roll because I just wanted to, I guess, appropriately answer the question and, and just kind of look back at some of the mid, mid-June fish we've caught, kind of go, I guess, just from past experience. So I think a few different things that I uh, saw that you could probably create a pattern from. Um, I don't think any of this is earth shattering news by any means, but a lot of the mid June fish that we've caught in the past, uh, especially those like kind of more fired up males and that like 30 to 36 inch range, a lot of them came on small blades, fishing weeds, definitely like the best developed weeds, whatever, you know, wherever that is in that system. And for whatever reason, I mean, and I think this, this happens quite often, but a lot of the fish came either first thing in the morning or lower light conditions towards the evening, just kind of going back through pictures. A lot of the pictures are either, you know, stamped around that like seven to seven thirty AM, 8 AM, or, you know, closer to sunset. And then I think the few bigger fish that we've caught middle of June, like Gus just said, came from, you know, really just like op- either open water stuff, uh, trolling in between kind of bites where we actually did get some fish, you know, some good fish during the middle of the day. Uh, one fish particularly comes to mind. I think it was two years ago on the chain where, you know, we were casting at some of the good emerging weeds and some of the best developed weeds in the system, really not moving anything. And I don't know if you know what we were changing spots or what we were doing. I mean, it was pretty early on into our, our trolling, I guess, when we started to troll, really. And we we stepped off the break, trolled the shoreline that we were casting the weeds and popped a really nice fish. So, you know, and I think at that time we were either just hand trolling or maybe maybe we had one rod holder. Possibly. Um, I can't remember. But... So yeah, that kind of showed me that, you know, maybe those fish just move off a little bit, uh, you know, if they're coming off the spawn or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely a time when you can still still catch some nice fish. It's just kind of figuring out, you know, if they're either off those weeds or they're in those emerging weeds and then really hit it hard during those low light periods, you know, first thing in the morning and, you know, right before sunset as well. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, some of those uh, fish that we catch first light and first dark on bucktails usually have come on prominent weed points, which uh, if another thing about weed points that can be really good to to get early weed growth is that it doesn't matter if it's on the east, west, north, south shoreline, a long extended point out at the tip is going to get the most sunlight no matter what, because it's, you know, more out in the middle of the lake and it's not going to have any trees blocking it from the shoreline. So that's going to get some of the best developed weeds other than maybe just a very prominent super large fast weedy bay those are for sure going to get some of the early weed growths as well so that was a really good question ben um so short answer middle of june that is a huge transition time so you got to just be open i'd say another thing is really be open to not switching spots so much a ton i mean covering water is a good thing but 
sometimes maybe even just switching a leg. All right, let's go to our second question. And this comes from Mike Z with Sad Boy Musky Club. Sad boy. What up, sad boy? All right, he's got a really good question here. He asks, thoughts on raising a giant that doesn't eat? Have you seen them back or vacating the area? This is a good question, Mike. We have definitely seen all three where you end up seeing them that night and you catch them. You just see them again and you don't, or you see them the next day, or you see them two months later and you catch them. So it's hard to say what those fish really do. Sometimes in between there, fish have tails, you know, fins and all that stuff. They're going to move around. Some might do a little more moving than others. But one thing that I have seen with certain big fish is that once you raise it, I definitely wouldn't recommend immediately just casting back every single lure you got in the box. That might just totally ruin your chances. And then you just, that fish will swim away or something like that. You usually want to calmly take your time and probably cast back later. I'd say for sure, usually give them like a 20 to 30 minutes. If if it's in like a good moon window and if it's not in a good moon window and you move that fish, that's usually a decent sign that if that fish is already fired up outside of a window, outside of some sort of feeding window where the where something's happening and there's a peak, I would for sure wait to come back on that big fish that same day at either sunset or like an afternoon. If you say you move it in the morning, a afternoon slash midday major minor. And then, you know, the icing on the cake would be one of those minors or majors coinciding with sunset. And that's when you really have to go back to that, that uh, waypoint and uh, tips for going back on that fish. It's tough. I mean, downsizing is usually the best bet to do. We have had some success going back with the same exact lure that the fish was originally raised on because it was raised on that for a reason. And I don't know so much about changing color and keeping the same bait. I'd say maybe changing up maybe your cadence if you're doing a pull pause. And if the fish is really fired up, we've seen them really come blazing in on a Small blades, anything that's like a single eight Colorado. I don't know what size the giant killer is with MEPS, but that's a great cast back lure. Um, really, any of those just size five, six, seven, and I guess even eight single blades are are amazing cast back to come back, even if it's a super big fish. So those are my few tips. Yeah, I'll jump in. I think you, if I'm not mistaken, guess you have a great story of catching a big fish that you raised. Um, well, I, 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 you can tell the story. I don't know when you raised it, but I believe you raised it prior to catching it during a tournament. Yeah, for sure. I'll let, uh, I'll let Max tell the, the, the beginning of the story. Yeah. So, I mean, I, <clears throat> I agree with, with Gus's answer, but I, I guess I will hammer home the fact that if, if you do find a big fish in an area, you've done 90% of the work then because you found out where that fish lives. And there's a good chance, in my opinion, that it's going to stick around just kind of from, some of the experiences we have, obviously it's not all the time, but we have a few stories of fish that, you know, we raise weeks and even month prior to then actually catching that fish. I think it was, a, uh, it might've even been an end of June type day, uh, okay. relative around mid June where we were out musky fishing. It was myself, Gus and our dad. And my dad caught a pike, was reeling in the pike. 
and right at the boat, Pike shook off, and all of a sudden, just this behemoth of a muskie came up and a million miles an hour T-boned the pike. Like, I mean, the pike disappeared. (laughs) It was the most ridiculous (laughs) thing I've ever seen. Like, it was probably, I don't know, 16-inch pike, and it was just gone in a half a second. All three of us just looked at each other, like, white in the face, like, what the hell was that? And we stuck around that area for a while, casted everything at it, and um, obviously didn't get it to go again. Fast forward to, I'm not sure the tournament name, but it is uh, the World the, Championship. The championship Muskie Open in August. And our first morning of the tournament, I was throwing a topwater chocker, uh, and... <laughs> we were in that exact same spot. I think we had made mention like, yeah, I mean, we, we saw that really big fish eat the pike, you know, a while back, right after we were talking about it, a freaking mastercraft size wake starts forming behind my, my top water kind of nipped at the back of it. And we were fishing three, three deep in a tournament. So Brian and Gus were kind of, you know, entrenched in there, what they were got going on. And it, it like took a second for me to even register what was happening, but I, you know, could see the wake. I could kind of make out the silhouette of the fish. And I was like, that is the, that is that fish that ate that pike back at the end of June. Like I, there's no question in my mind because we're fishing a body of water where, you know, the, the size of fish that are 44 plus inches are few and far between. And so, you know, I just, I, I obviously can't confirm it was the same fish, but it was the same waypoint, same spot. And it was just, yeah, it was just kind of nipping at the back of the bucktail. Never fully grabbed it, but top it was, water. yeah, sorry, the uh, bu- uh, top water. Never fully grabbed or anything, but, you know, I got their attention. They could kind of, Brian and Gus kind of saw what was going on. And we were fishing in a tournament, so obviously we were going to go back at that fish. I think that day, you know, the weather was, you know, that typical August, you know, fairly hot, good south, southwest wind. And then I, I'll let Gus finish the story because he's the one that ended up sealing the deal, but things drastically changed, but that fish's location did not. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I think the rest of that tournament went with a lot, with a lot more muggy conditions and there might've been a, a storm that was, I think happened on, on one of the last nights, I think Saturday night or something like that. And on Sunday morning, it we were brought with like a 40 some degree morning, just super cold, tons of mist coming off of the water and Virtually no wind. I mean, I think there's a little bit of wind and it's starting to pick up from like the northeast or something gnarly like that. And we go back. I don't think we went to that spot immediately in the morning or and I think it might have been our second spot, but we went back there and and for whatever reason, I know we moved it on the top water and then, you know, in June it ate a pike. So you can't really take much off of that. But I decided to throw on a mid Medusa and it was in very shallow water is in like maybe four or five feet of some pretty hefty weeds. So I was ripping it about as hard as you can to, to go through that at seven, some in the morning and uh, rod stopped, loaded up. And I was just like, Oh, got one. This is, this is a big one. You know, it's just staying down and it's just dead weight coming in. And, and uh, you know, it's always fun fighting these fish, but in the tournament, you really want them in the bag and, Luckily, Max scooped it in before it could really even do like any crazy thrashing or anything. And we didn't realize how big it was until we looked in the net and we're like, oh, that is a giant, you know, for this body of water. That is a very large fish. And and yeah, that's that's the story of catching one, you know, two months later. 
I got one more quick story, not to not to belabor the question too hard, but it, it's a good question. And I, you know, I'm also very intrigued by it because obviously, you know, the goal of musky fishing, I guess one of the goals of musky fishing is to catch big fish, right? So you kind of want to know what their habits are. I feel like they're almost a separate class of fish from like a typical, you know, smaller musky. Uh, but there was another body of water last year that we just started fishing and the first time we were there, I was throwing my trusty eight inch Navin in this really thick weed bed that was probably, I mean, kitchen table is an understatement, but maybe a handful of kitchen tables connected together, you know? And, and so anyways, I'm popping it through this pretty thick weed bed. It's fairly clear water. And so, you know, I, as I pulled this, you know, I don't know. We still don't know. Still don't know exactly how big this fish is. I think I've hooked and lost it now. But it it had this very distinct, uh, very orange top fin. So it, it kind of had that marking where it's like, okay, it looks a little different than most fish, you know, on that in that system. And uh, anyways, it swiped at the naving, completely missed because I pulled it right out of its mouth. And it was, um, again, it was, it was a giant fish. And, uh, you know, we didn't we didn't get it to move again that day. My dad and brother went back, I think, three, four days later. I think the second time we went back on it was uh, that one morning in top water and it followed you in. Oh, that yeah. That was the next time. Right, yeah. Anyways, we had this fish up a bunch uh, throughout a handful of different weeks. We still have not caught this fish, and I will be very curious this year uh if we can go back and and fish that exact same section and move it we know what the fish looks like because it has that very distinguishable fin i mean i think on the last pod you talked about catching that that fish on the flap tail brian uh that morning i mean it was the same you know same thing where a few casts later we moved that that same fish in the same same area same weed bed on top water uh it just kind of came up and showed that orange fin and then you know we had we didn't see it for the rest of the year so yeah it, it, it's a great question i i'd be very curious to know exactly how those big fish do if they just dominate an area and they just stay there once they get to a certain size or if they do you know continuously hit different areas uh different weed beds stuff like that it's it's a million dollar question no doubt and before we leave this question uh i i'd say sad boy if you move a big fish just visit that area often and hit that area hard. Cause not only are you going after that big fish and getting the chance at catching that big fish, usually it's just a solid area and we've caught multiple fish off of waypoints of really big fish that are in obviously not the same size class, but it just means that it's a really good area. So, yeah, I mean, big fish aren't dumb. So there's a reason why it's using that, you know, pocket or that, you know, break line or what have you. So, yeah, appreciate you writing in, sad boy. Got another question in on Instagram, and that comes from the user Poorly Made Musky Memes, which has an awesome account. Love following you. You make some great content. I haven't heard of his page. I highly recommend following Poorly Made Musky Memes. So he asks, what four lures should every musky angler own? How many color variations of these? Got to start with Brian here. He's got his... He's- <laughs> Let's hear it. This is a big question. So four baits and then colors. Yeah, I mean um you can keep it as we'll get a we'll get a true peek behind the curtain here on what goes on 
with the monkey hitting the symbol <laughs> in Brian's head most of the time. Doing backflips and hey Brian, uh, you with us? I am notorious for, for switching baits every uh three to five minutes. So I've definitely had my experiences with them all. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, top four baits. If I had to only have four in the box, um, I think you have to start with a bulldog, probably a reg dog. I wish I don't know if this is outside the rules, but I would group that with a regular Medusa, one or the other. Um, then you gotta have your I'd probably go 500 Booker tail or some of that nature, musky killer, just your standard bucktail, nothing too crazy and loud. Um, I've had some good success in the musky killer. You gotta have a top water. It's all, I mean, you can use it all year round. I would go with a flap tail. Uh, seems to be the most productive for us, at least. Um, and then to wrap out my four, hope I'm not missing something. I would go with a double joiner Fleet Farm Custom. This bait is a spring killer. You can pull pause that thing between those new weeds. Um, and it's even great in the fall, too, when you're trying to have a slower presentation. Color wise, color wise is pretty pretty awesome. easy for me. Pretty much whatever looks cool to you on the shelf. The fish are gonna think's cool. I, I like a bright lure, uh, especially in that dirty water. So yeah, that sums it up on my end. Just orange, Brian. Don't you like orange, chartreuse? You can throw green in there, red in there. I mean, I don't think any color is bad. The more the merrier. <laughs> All right, it's a great question, and I think it's hard because it changes year by year for me, but. 2023 max would say you need a crane bait in your tackle box for crankbaits. You can get your you hands on crane one. bait or crankbait. Crane bait. Crane, crane bait. Crane bait. Crane bait. What is it? The 20. I don't really know his model super well. 207, and then they make like a like a three something. Yeah. Kind of like different shapes and experts here. Yeah, 100%. I definitely would say any variation of a crane bait that rises because you can use it in so many different areas, um, especially if you're fishing weeds. Uh, it's a great bait to kind of work through weeds because it does rise so quickly. So it's it's pretty pretty easy. It's, it's, it's super workable. It moves fish. It catches fish. Color-wise for the crane bait, I would keep it pretty simple. I mean, I don't think there's too many options in general. Uh, you know, either go, if you're fishing a clearer body of water, um, you know, go something more natural. If you're fishing a stained body of water, maybe try to see if there's a, a, a little bit more sparkle or a color variation. Uh, so that would be one. Two would be for me, uh, some sort of a staggered bucktail. Uh, I think when those kind of hit the scene, they, they were hot for a reason. I mean, musky or whatever, you know, they just like them. Um, so some sort of eight, nine stagger bucktails for me, you know, I like, I like bucktails that are pretty traditional in color. Um, I think a lot of times with bucktails, I mean, obviously color, I think might play, play a factor in them, but I think it's more so retrieve speed, stuff like that. Yeah, I would probably try to try to keep it darker, darker color for bucktail. Um, I will say if you're if you're fishing stained water, we've had really good success with tinsel bucktails. So if you can find, you know, something like that or even have Gus maybe dry up one. Um, he likes to he likes to tie his own bucktails. 
So I'd probably go that for my bucktail. My third would obviously uh, be some sort of rubber. I'm a bigger fan of Medusas than Bulldogs. Hot take. I've had more success on them. So I'd probably go, you know, a mid Medusa size. I think it's the easiest to work and it's the most versatile. You can add a weight to it to get it down deeper. You know, you can still throw mid Medusas and weed beds, stuff like that. As long as you have the right, right, you know, reel and rod. And I would say, you know, having a top water is great. I obviously love to fish them, but I think for the fourth bait, I would stay in the rubber category and say get get a tube because for whatever reason you know like you can have a medusa bite one day and a tube bite the next day and i think to have a little bit of variation in your your rubber game is uh is is good um but yeah those seven seven and a half inch ninja tubes are awesome i guess color too with the tubes you know something something just standard if you want to add a blade on the back, that's great. But yeah, either a dark green, black, those colored tubes have done really well for us. Mid Medusas, we've done great on that perch color. I think it's uh hot perch. Hot perch is the color pattern that we've done really well on. Uh there's like a brown carp color pattern that we've done really well on. I think it might be called. I'm not sure that color, but it's like a white underbelly and just like a copper brown top. Yeah, copper brown top, white underbelly. We've done well on that one. Um, and then the old, uh, the old ball buster, that's a great color that we've, we've, we've stuck some good fish on. So that'd probably be my four baits. I think for my four baits, I got to start this off with the 10 inch Suic weighted thriller. Uh, that's just an overall solid lure to pretty much use year round and most, not most, but all of my fishing, if I am fishing during any trip is going to be from the back of the boat and more times than not you usually start the front of the boat with something a little bit quicker whether that be a bucktail or fast ripping rubber and i like to kind of round it out out of the back with a suic and those things just uh, they just seem to move fish when they're not biting anything else as well and they're gonna get some bites and and if you're if you're working a souk and you're getting follows, um, it's either because you're probably working it too slow or methodically, or at that time it's it's a good idea to just get out either a fast bucktail or rip a rip rubber as fast as you can, and that's usually a good a good cast back on all the moved fish by souks. So that's that's my first bait, and that's probably my all time favorite bait of the four. I think my next lure is gonna be. You know, I was going to say like an 8-9 Stagger from Musky Frenzy. Uh, Max already said it. It's definitely one of my favorites. I love Stagger's too. The trigger from Mayhem is just incredible as well. But I'm going to have to go with the Giant Killer uh, from Maps. Just that single willow blade seems to be super deadly and get a little bit deeper. And just the tiny little bucktail skirt on the uh, hook uh, just seems to be a great downsizer for really any time of the year um it's awesome opener to august really so that would be my number two bait uh for my last two let me think i know max said crane bait for crank i also have to go with the crank bait because i do love throwing crank baits and that's going to be uh, i'm torn slammer. i am doing a slammer but i'm torn between a five or a seven I'll just go seven. I think I throw that more. I mean, five is just an incredible downsizer 
cast back, just getting fish to move when really nothing else is. But I'm going to go with the seven because right out of the box, that thing, you can kind of work it as just a straight retrieve. You can do a pull pause. You can really slack line twitch it and almost get it to work like a glide bait in the first couple twitches. And that thing will really, just like a suet, could just get fish to get aggressive and attack it and maybe move fish. And it's just a solid lure that I don't, I mean, I know a lot of people throw crankbaits or throw slammers, but I just, people say it. And I'm out there and I really don't see people fishing crankbaits. It's just crazy. But I definitely think a slammer is going to be one of my four. And to round it out, I know Max did two rubbers and he, you know, the last one he stole mine. And, you know, I know, Ryan, you've said reg dog already. And that's one of my favorites, but I do have to go tube. That thing is, it's just, it's too deadly. You can work it slower and you can work it faster. I mean, my favorite tube is the midweight ninja tube and i'll throw that thing in shallow water don't care i'll just rip it as fast as you can and and that thing's really going to get some big time reaction strikes and and when you're doing that you got to have a you got to have an extra heavy rod at least to uh get the power to able to be able to rip it over some shallow structure and just for the hook sets um because when they hit tubes they hit them they hit them hard and uh, like Max said, I typically use a blade in the back, but you really don't always have to. Um, I know it's a little more standard now, and it all just depends on the day. I got I got tubes rigged up with and without blades, the 10-inch and 7.5-inch. But day in and day out, my favorite is the 7.5-inch. The and, um, oh, I feel like you're almost being more unique when you don't use a blade these days. <laughs> I feel like might everybody's be. using a blade. Yeah. Oh, and I, I didn't even touch on color at all. Man, I, I'm I'm boring with color, I swear. I, I think this favorite slammer is pretty much black. And favorite uh, suic is their color that they've probably been doing since inception. And I think it's called sucker. It's a white belly, yellow side, and black top. Um, for musky, for the giant killer, uh, that one really depends. For the most part, it kind of divvy up between either a gold or, or a silver blade. Um, just based on usually water color and just the day and it's good to switch it up but orange and chartreuse those are really solid colors tube I think Max touched on like green and blacks but those are very solid as well but I like the ugliest tube you can buy that's that's the one that's going to get bit all right let's move on to our next question this comes from Grace Wood fave baits for early summer fishing God, more bait talk. Yeah, it's really a it's really a tell all tonight. You know, we've had a few beers. We're giving away our favorite lures, favorite <laughs> colors. Appreciate the question. That's my girlfriend writing in. Uh, she spent a, she spent many hours out on the the musky the musky boat with us. So she knows she knows what she's talking about. You know, I think uh, I think one for her because it's actually one of her favorite baits. Uh, I actually think she refers to them as uh, squishy boys and. <laughs> <laughs> that's the uh is it um is it the mini medusa is that the one that you caught that nice fish yeah. on last year yeah. early summer yeah mini yeah mini medusa i think that's a very underutilized bait uh for early season i know we kind of brushed over that with some of the june fishing talk and whatnot but um yeah that downsize and rubber uh you know we we Got a nice fish on that last year and seemed to move a few other fish on it as well. 
So I would, I would say that one, I know you guys probably have your own opinions, so I don't want to kind of go on to my other ones, but, um, yeah, the, the small squishy boys as, uh, as as grace calls them. I think in early summer is kind of like a, a good time. I mean, I don't know what I'd consider really I'm trying to think of like early summer. I mean, that's kind of when you kind of get past the opener and spawn and stuff. And, and for blades wise, that's kind of the time where it starts switching to, uh, Stagers in the seven, eight, nine category and double eights a little bit. So those would be uh, very good early summer baits. And I, I will just add real quick, I guess, to off my answer. I mean, really at that time, you know, day conditions and whatnot. I mean, you can start to really upsize that those, those rubber baits as well. I mean, once, especially if you get those like really chewy afternoons where you get some like big clouds forming and feels like that kind of like late afternoon bite window opens up. That's like my favorite time during the summer. Like when you start getting those kind of hot muggy days to start throwing, you know, obviously things that are larger than the the mini Medusas. Um, so yeah, I guess that I just wanted to expand a little bit on my answer. So uh, Brian, what would you pick for early summer fave bait? Maybe, maybe, um, maybe talk about a bait that you haven't talked about yet tonight, just to give some, the listeners a new one. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't think we mentioned this one. I think maybe we did in an earlier pod, but um, I guess the first three weeks of the year, like I said earlier, crankbaits or jerkbaits, I love working them, but specifically uh, the Ridgeway crankbaits, Ridgeway Customs. I know, Gus, you just got the first one this year. Um, use it a little bit in our Upper Peninsula of Michigan send, uh, but those have great action. And um, yeah, I think, being able to twitch that in between the little patchy spring weeds here in a couple weeks. Um, that's probably going to be our ticket. At least that's what it was last year. So hopefully the muskies are still interested in eating those. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to throw that Ridgeway. Um, had a really good time chatting with Matt Ridgeway at the, at the Wausau show and got a nine inch Ridgeway custom from him and don't really, don't really have too many, I mean, the, the crankbaits that we have in that category of size are, are typically just used for trolling, but this one he, he makes for casting specifically. So I'm really excited to throw that as like a, a change up from throwing big rubber because that seems like what he likes to do with them. So, and I know I, I still love to throw Medusa's dogs and tubes and all that stuff, but I'm excited to throw that. Brian, I can't believe we've gone this far talking about early season fishing and you haven't talked about a spinnerbait yet. Yeah, yeah that, that would slip my mind, but that's usually something I go to later on in the day as I've already picked through 20 other baits and then a spinnerbait will come to my mind. And it honestly seems to produce, you know, some some different action from muskies than the typical, uh, you know, single blade bucktail. So I don't know. I think it's a good change up. If it is a bucktail bite, I feel like, you know, somebody in the boat's got also be throwing a spinnerbait too. All right, let's move on to our next one. And and we got a, we got a question from this guy last week. Uh, this comes from um, Woodsy on Instagram. What's beauty Rick? What's beauty Rick is back. And he asked, Oh, he asked a doozy here. <laughs> he, he asked the thoughts on Ohio fishing tournaments cheating scandal which i think he's referring to uh the wall weights and fish oh, he's yeah. got weights and fish <laughs> get him out of here <laughs> which is an absolute all-time video i don't believe that's happened in the uh in the musky world but he says ever seen cheating in tourneys i think when it comes to money 
cheating is inevitable. There's going to be some, there's going to be somebody out there that loves to do it. I mean, we, Max, you and I saw it and Brian, all of us firsthand fishing or not fishing, sorry, golfing in like high school with some, just some random guys. And you kind of got to start counting their strokes. Cause you're like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't hit that wasn't a five. <laughs> that, yeah. My guy, you didn't get a bogey after hitting in the woods three times, <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, like I said, I don't think anything as crazy as the Ohio as the, the, the walleye scandals happened, but they've, I mean, I think they're doing a great job and they're really cracking down on it is the, uh, is the new one this year on, on making sure that there's no flipping on fish. And that's making sure that when the fish is bumped, on the bump board and you take that first picture of your first fish in the tournament, every, if you catch more fish than that, they all have to be bumped in the same direction, which means if you say you have a bump board that is considered a right-handed where typically you hold the fish in the, uh, underneath the gill with your right hand, you place it on the bump board. You're looking at the bump board and the fish's nose to your right. The back is up against the little back plate and you're pinching the tail with your left hand. This doesn't mean you can go on that bump board and just basically have the fish on the other side and take a picture and then hold the fish on the other side and then call it a different fish without pinching the tail or something like that. So I really, I really think this is a good rule. Um, I just just hate to think that there's really cheaters out there, but like I said, man, when there's money involved, people will do anything, especially if they start getting away with it. Like those Ohio guys, those Walleye fishermen, I mean, who knows how long they've been doing it for. And you know that they, before they got caught, they just got greedy. Yeah. I mean, that was unfortunate to see, but the freaking cojones on those guys to start stuffing walleye fillets and leads in those walleye's belly. I mean, that's just. I'm surprised it wasn't more obvious. Just glance. I mean, yeah, you got an 18 inch walleye, you got two 18 inch walleye, and one weighs twice as much as the other one. I mean, you think it would raise some flags. (laughs) at the the weigh-in station i mean luckily muskies is for every tournament i mean that i've ever seen it's it's a length you know the the way you judge the fish is on length and so it's pretty hard to you know stretch a fish out if if you got the full picture from from the tip of it all the way to the tail and i'd like to think the best of the muskie community i mean i think it's you know i'm sure the the guys that have fished in tournaments for a long time probably have some better stories about this. I mean, we're relatively new and I think with technology and stuff these days, it's, it, it's pretty easy to kind of confirm on where, where pictures were taken, when pictures were taken, stuff like that. So I'd like to think that now there's at least probably minimal to none in musky tournaments. I mean, not that I've given it much thought, but I just feel like after fishing tournaments last few years, like it would be, it would be so tough to do it that it's just not a, it's obvious it's never worth it, but and it also is just like the whole point of, you know, musky fishing and tournaments and stuff is like to become a better angler, catch awesome fish. I mean, the the cheating part would just completely take take all that out of it. So I guess I'd like to think the best of the musky community. I think, you know, tournaments are run really well and, and we don't see it too much in, in those. But uh, if it does happen or if you guys have had any stories, you know, any of the listeners that are are tuning in here tonight, that if they've ever seen stuff or, or I guess tournament, you know, have any stories that'd be funny to share. Maybe they've already been rectified or passed um, so they can air it out. We'd love to hear. I mean, I'd love to hear it because I think that stuff's hilarious. So I mean, it would too. Yeah, it'd be 
be very curious to know if anyone has any any stories from from our listening base. Now we got our second to last question for the night, and this comes from uh, the last one from Instagram, and that is Spencer Eaton. He asks, "How do you choose what color lure to use when not using an imitation bait?" I think when he says imitation, do you think he's talking about something that's more mimicking a real fish, maybe like a crankbait or a or maybe like one of those swim baits? Sucker. Like the like a Susie sucker, the savage gear sucker. Cause you know, natural patterns work all the time, but when picking a, a different colored lure, I mean I, I it's hard to say, do you put all black in the natural pattern? category i mean yeah. i've never seen a completely black fish before but i guess That's all the fish see. <laughs> fair enough all right well then i'm gonna dive right into that because uh, the, the color black and allure is 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 just awesome and uh i'd say as soon as those lakes get bloomed up that's the time where when you're choosing a color and it's doesn't have black in it you're probably missing out on some fish because you're creating some big silhouettes in the water I, I really want to hear Brian's answer on this. Uh, Anything color related, I just I need to hear what Brian's thoughts are. I think I think I'm done. So yeah, Brian, take it away. Okay. Um. So yeah, I've been uh, infamously known to throw the brightest things in the box. Um. Usually, I kind of tend to go to that pattern when when we're struggling to move many fish. But um, I don't know. I guess I would say. For me, if the water is kind of stained like coffee and, and the sun's out, a lot of times that bright orange will have a big reflection or a, a white bait with kind of like a silver side on it will reflect and push those sun waves down in different directions to the water. And it gives me confidence that the fish are going to be able to see it from farther away. I mean, in clear water, I mean, it's sort of the same thing. You're not going to have, I don't think, as much of that kind of glowing of the bait if it's a bright color. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's just getting these fish to see the bait, uh, especially if it's, you know, not a bucktail and they're not necessarily going off of the vibrations and sound as much. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a confidence for me just so I know that if it's anywhere near them, they're gonna be able to see it. <laughs> if, if they can see color, I don't know. The word's still out on that yet. Yeah, true. I actually think somebody, I know we talked about them last podcast, but I think Tom from the musky hunks is doing some stuff with musky and color and. I, I I don't know. I, I guess I've kind of lightly seen that on his Instagram. Um, if the, if the study comes than... out that uh, that that color is does not play a part, it's going to kind of ruin the sport for me. Yeah, you're right. He's yeah, retire at that point. <laughs> I, I, all right, I have a. I guess okay. My answer is going to be completely just off of personal uh, bias, um, but I, I guess I'll just kind of go off of that. So. I would say anything that has a bloom. So if the water's bloomed and it's it's kind of that like pea soup green color, I love black, uh, black black baits. If it's stained, kind of flowy brownish tannic water, love browns, which seems a little bit counterintuitive, but it's done well for us. I know Brian's shaking his head here. Browns, <laughs> yellows, and oranges have done really well for us and then anything with clear water whites have always done well in some capacity so i'd say you know if you're kind of breaking it down by by those three classes of water 
those would be the colors I'd go to. I'd naturally kind of gravitate towards. So yeah, that would be, that would be my answer. Yeah. And another thing to touch on there, I didn't, I didn't talk too much on this question, but if you're picking something other than natural, I mean, there's, there's usually a reason why somebody pretty much for the Northwoods is always like, if you got one color to pick, why would you choose it? And nine times out of 10, it's either going to be perch or fire tiger. And typically with the perch and fire tiger, you got some pretty high contrasting colors where you might have an orange belly, some sort of gold or chartreuse side. And then you have black bars or black or bronze or brown bars. And a good thing, even if it's not natural colors, um, if you get anything with bars on it, it's really good to have contrasting colors. And I think that's that's definitely important to have. And our final question comes from our father and he asks, what do you think about the later ice out and how do you think that's going to affect the lakes going into opener? Well, that is a great and relevant question as I believe we're 12 days right now from recording to uh, opening day. And, uh, you know, having, having, yeah, I know. You know, looking back when the ice was, was still in the lakes in very late April, it wasn't looking great. And as soon as that uh, ice came off, even if it was like a few days, few days later than normal or maybe a week or so, it's kind of heated up here. Uh, we've seen lots of sun, you know, a decent bit of wind. Some of the days there was a week where it was very calm and it's really raised the water temps of the lakes. And we've already gotten some reports of uh, some spawning fish in some of the area lakes. And with this much time before the opener, I'd say that's pretty good. Um, looking in the forecast, we're going to get a little bit of rain, a little bit of cool downs, a couple nights in the thirties that might put a little damper on things. And that's just classic spring right there. Ups and downs and ups and downs. And, you know, it might make it tough. There's definitely a possibility where you're going to get onto a lake and there might be spawning fish. And it's usually calling for a tougher bite because if you got spawning fish typically while they're spawning they're not going to go and attack a lure because they're paired up and they're pretty much inaccessible and that kind of leaves a lot less fish to uh to go after i don't know how much the late ice is exactly going to affect too much of the spawn and where you're going to be catching fish for the most part an opener but it, it might affect the weed growth and that seems to differ heavily year after year and that's another thing sometimes your old waypoints on weed bends are going to be good and bad and and in between but you, you might have to kind of relook at uh the weed growth happening in your lake because uh if you do go off of old waypoints and the weed growth is different it might be the difference of moving or catching a fish as opposed to just seeing nothing and uh with this with the heavy snow cover this year there could be some difficulties on weed growth, but, you know, as always, nature could just totally change and we could get some awesome sunlight and somehow some lakes just get awesome weed growth or something like that. So only time will tell on that. And overall, I'm just looking forward to opener and I think it's going to be a great one. And I think things are uh, lining up nicely in the Northwoods. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll get a pretty good idea heading into opener with Gus being up here full time now, you know, he'll be out on the water most days. So that'll be really nice um, to kind of get a live look in on what, 
you know, the stages on where some lakes are at. Uh, I know we'll do a full kind of rundown on what our opener plan is next week, which is awesome to think about that we're one podcast away from talking about actual musky fishing in Northern Wisconsin. Um, and I guess real quick, not to get sidetracked, but we didn't touch on what we're doing for opener, but it's going to be, it's going to be pretty fun. So we got me, Gus, Brian, and our buddy Jack and potentially our other buddy Mitch and I potentially everybody Mitch and I think we're going to do a little bit of a, a tournament or some some sort of competition that we haven't really hashed out the rules on yet but uh yeah we'll we'll probably have that figured out for our podcast next week but that'll be really fun so we'll have a lot of a lot of lines in the water for opener we're going to be hitting a bunch of different lakes so I guess to answer that question on how it's going to affect affect opener <laughs> we'll we'll find out <laughs> I'll find out real quick. Find out real quick on <laughs> on how uh on how it how it how it goes. So yeah. But uh yeah, really looking forward to that. That's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying. I, I mean the biggest thing regardless of what the weather is leading up to opener is finding the warmest um water in the lake or the whatever system you're fishing. Even if it's just like a two degree swing, we always seem to find active fish wherever the warmest water is. But yeah, looking forward to getting out on opener with a bunch of guys up there and uh, putting a beat down on, on who's ever on the opposition. I think right now, Max and I will be teaming up and going against the guide himself. So we'll see how that plays out. And it'll be a nice preview into what our, our tournament experience is going to be like, too. So mm-hmm. we'll see. How, we'll see how the dynamic works. You know, maybe a little bickering back and forth. But I think it's just going to I think it's going to just sharpen the quill. I think it's just going to make us make us on the top of our game. I mean, I, I think uh, enough offhanded comments from you throughout the day. I think it's just going to get me fired up and, you know, why? probably me a little annoyed. Yeah, I probably go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think anyone listening to this that fishes with two or three buddies, you know, through the course of a 10 or 12 hour day can 15, relate to this 15 hour or an entire three day yeah, weekend, entire three day weekend with the same truck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. We got some good stories on that. Maybe we'll ever get to those from the years ago. start of our musky addiction type trips we used to go on, but it's all, it's all love, you know, it's all love. But I, I think everyone knows that like they do these trips for three, four days and, I mean, it's just hilarious, like the banter you have back and forth and kind of like stuff that ends up happening throughout the time, especially in between bite windows and things are slow, you know? Yeah, I, I think the real the... sidetrack sometimes, but that's that's part of the adventure. It always adds to the story. I mean, um, the Brian does funniest... a lot of things that I don't agree with. So <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty funny. It's going to be it's going to be a good time. The the funniest stuff that always happens when it's like us three or four of us out on the boat for a 12 hour day is, you know, we're pretty talkative people, but then, you know, if that fishing isn't, isn't hot, I mean, we'll go 45 minutes without a word. <laughs> it's just silent. All of a sudden somebody will say something or hopefully it's a fish that gets us talking again, but that's always hilarious looking back in the film or whatnot. And we're just silent and everybody's down bad. <laughs> well, I mean, when we, <laughs> We we can cut this if we need to, but I mean, some of the stuff that we we start talking about just to kill time, 
just can get real weird on the fishing boat and especially if it lines <laughs> up with a fish fish catch and that's what you hear before <laughs> right well so yeah when I, when I was getting at it, when we started filming you know it loops on five minutes so like you you hear the conversation you know two <laughs> r- roughly two minutes leading up to the fish and like he had a stretch where we would like say something just completely off the rails and be like well hope we don't catch a fish here the next few seconds <laughs> Because we're gonna have to edit out about thirty seconds of conversation. It just clips to the hook set. <laughs> oh man, yeah, good stuff. Well, guys, I think we had a really good podcast again this week, and that was our third episode of Muskies on Tap. And I really hope everyone out there enjoyed this episode as much as we did. We had a really good time tonight, and. um I'm really excited to roll out the uh, next one. It's going to be talking about opener. Yeah, we can't thank Justin enough for coming on. First guest, hopefully many more. Uh, we already got a few lined up, some some really uh, cool ones that we're excited to uh, to talk to. Um, I mean, the Muskie community is just so awesome. So, yeah, we're uh, we're really excited to see where this goes. I mean, I think we're still still shocked at how many people actually have tuned into this. Um, so, I mean. <laughs> We've said that a few times now, but yeah, I can't thank you guys enough. It makes this fun and worth it. You know, it's been uh it's been been a cool start. Yeah, I'll just quick add. Uh if anybody wants to uh reach out to us, you can uh reach reach me at my socials and that's Suggs Fishing on Instagram, uh Suggs Fishing Guide Service on Facebook. Uh you can add me as a friend on Facebook as well as just Gus Manti. Uh, you can reach my cell phone at 920-264-3816. And for the first time ever, um, you can find me on the internet at www.sugsfishing.com. And I really hope to hear from you guys and can't wait for the next one. Say goodnight, boys. See you, everybody. Good night, gents. Thank you for listening.